Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey there, welcome back. Stephen Holder back with another episode of Horseshoes with Holder. I am Stephen Holder of TheAthletic.com. I cover the Indianapolis Colts, and man, I did not think we would be having this podcast, certainly not uh, dwelling on this subject matter, the Colts in the NFL playoffs. You can believe it. You can say it out loud. It's true. It's happening. It's here, whether you can believe it or not. So here we go. Colts. Texans on Saturday. I'll be there. Looking forward to it. And we got lots to talk about. So let's jump into this. I'm going to hit on a few things tonight. I want to talk about certainly the injury situation. There's a lot there to discuss. Uh, I think we need to talk about, you know, some strategy going forward here. What's going to happen between these two teams? They know each other so well. So there's certainly some, some stuff to get into there. And I think the Colts have some advantages in this game that I'll I'll break down for you as well. And then I want to talk about DeAndre Hopkins and, and how the Colts will proceed against him and what I think is the key to this game, what might be one of the deciding factors in this game on Saturday. I'll, I'll kind of clue you in on that as well. So, uh, But here, let's just jump into this, though. I, I tell you what, I am really excited about this. This team has been so fun to cover this year. I have I've had a blast and I know that you have as well watching them and it's just been kind of inspiring to watch how they've put this run together 9 out of 10 down the stretch clinched it uh, last Sunday night in Tennessee I was there great environment lots of Colts fans and that was certainly fun so let's talk about the injuries though right off the top I think that's always going to be uh, one of the t- determining factors in these games so uh, good news, I think, for the Colts is they will have two guys that they didn't have the last time around in this game, and that's Ryan Kelly and Mo Ali Cox. Mo Ali Cox has not been hurt right now, obviously. I'm just mentioning him generally. Ryan Kelly did miss that se- Week 17 finale, obviously. Uh, he's back, and I feel pretty confident about him being able to step in and, and do what he needs to do. Uh, he seems to, His issues really seem... To have subsided so they're pretty confident about Ryan Kelly I also feel pretty good about them having Clayton Gathers I, I can't remember if I told you about this last week I may have mentioned last week that I thought Clayton might go but he still was very much a game time decision I think this week there's a little more optimism than there was in week 17 about Clayton 
So I saw him walking around the building this week. He's got that electric stim going on the knee, trying to get that thing right. So, I mean, he was working it uh, around the clock. And I, th- I think they have reason to feel pretty good about him getting out there. So uh, definitely promising on that front. Now, the one thing I can't tell you is that T.Y. Hilton is going to be fine. Now, I think he'll play. Because he's T.Y. and that's what he does when he's hurt. He plays, right? But can I promise you that T.Y. Hilton isn't going to have some some limitations in this game? No, I can't tell you that. And I think we saw last week was the first time, certainly for me at least, the first time that I can remember that we saw a different version of T.Y. He was not the same guy in Tennessee. So he re-aggravated that injury, I think on his first catch of that game, Uh, went down the field and got him in the red zone. And he actually, uh, the defender actually fell on that ankle. So it kind of uh, created uh, sort of a worse situation for him. And then after that, you really did see him kind of struggle. And he he was really kind of gutting it out. But here's the thing. He still made plays in that game. And I tell you, if there was ever a question about T.Y. Hilton's toughness, and I don't know why there would have been, but if there was... I'll tell you, this guy has answered every question the last several weeks. I will tell you this. I've been trying to to sort of um, pull answers out of T.Y. for the past few weeks about this injury. You know, I heard what I heard about it was that it was pretty serious. I won't get into the details because they're not confirmed. But what I heard was that it was very serious. Uh, serious enough that based on what I was told, I mean, I thought he might go in IR. But this guy's still out there. He's still gutting it out, and I just think he deserves a lot of credit. Look, T.Y. is, I think, pound for pound, he's got to be the toughest guy on this team, and he is proving that right now. And, look, he was never going to miss this game. You knew that, <laughs> but uh, but certainly he's playing through a lot of pain. Why was he not going to miss this game, though? Because T.Y. Hilton's going to Houston, and you know what happens in Houston. All right, so just for the record, I, I think I have to share this, right? So I went and looked at his career numbers against Houston. This is home and away. So this is in 14 games. Okay, 14 games. T.Y. Hilton against the Houston Texans has 76 catches for 1,445 yards, nine touchdowns, and that's an average of 103.2 yards per game. His per catch average is 19 yards per game. So basically, T.Y. Hilton owns the Houston Texans, not only in Houston, but especially in Houston. And there was no way he was missing this game. So we will see what happens. I think that it's, uh, I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see what, if anything, the Texans do uh, to slow him down. I mean, I, I don't understand why they haven't tried a variety of tactics. I mean, they have tried different tactics, but uh, they, they certainly, I think, need to go further in trying to limit T.Y. Hilton. I mean, without his contributions against the Texans, I don't know how many of those games the Colts would have won. I mean, because he has clearly been the centerpiece of each of those wins, or many of those wins. And it's as if the Texans just don't understand that. Maybe maybe I'm missing something, but I I really am curious to see what Romeo Cornell has up his sleeve and if it's going to be something that perhaps tries to take advantage of TY's health situation. You know, that's certainly 
a possibility. Uh, will will he be more physical with Ty? I don't know, and I think that's going to require Frank Reich to to sort of be adjustable in this game, be ready to adjust, uh, depending on what kind of coverages Ty gets and what kind of uh, tactics they get uh, they see uh, to counter Ty's frankly his heroics against the Houston Texans. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I I will tell you this. Uh, I don't think they can win this game without T.Y. being a factor. It doesn't mean he has to go for for 220 like he's done in the past against Houston, but he's got to be a threat. I think he's got to be a factor in this game. Uh, that changes, I, I think, that changes the landscape for the Indianapolis Colts. If T.Y. Hilton is is a factor in this game, uh, it changes things for Andrew Luck. It changes things for Frank Reich as a play caller. It just has sort of a cascading effect on everything uh, offensively for the Indianapolis Colts. And it, it just provides a threat that Houston just has to cope with. So uh, we'll see how that goes on Saturday. But but I think that is one of the keys to this game and certainly will be a huge subplot uh, throughout this weekend. So looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Now, as it relates to the teams themselves, you know, I think... The Colts have a couple of key advantages in this game that, for me at least, I think will go a long way toward them having a chance to win this thing. And one of them, obviously, I don't have to tell you, but one of them, you already know for sure, it's the quarterback, right? Uh, Deshaun Watson is a fabulous quarterback, and I think he's going to be a great player for a long time to come. He is no Andrew Luck, though. And Andrew Luck still has that advantage. The Colts are going to have that advantage against just about any team they play uh, just because Andrew Luck is that uh, proficient of a player. But here's the thing. They also have another huge advantage. I think the Colts have a huge advantage when it comes to offensive line. Uh, That is an area where they are far superior to Houston. So I think that is a a big advantage for the Colts. And so there's a couple of things there. Now, I realize who they're going up against, that offensive line. They're going up against Clowney and Watt, and certainly that's a daunting task. But but look, I mean, if any team is equipped to handle those guys, it's the Colts, and they have. And as I mentioned before, you know, they didn't even have Ryan Kelly in that second meeting. If I'm not mistaken, Evan Baines started that game, and the Colts held up pretty well. I don't believe Clowney had a sack in that game. J.J. Watt had one. Clowney, I think, just had two tackles in that game. Really wasn't a huge factor. So they've gotten the job done up front against Houston. And again, they're one of the few teams that is just really, really well well equipped, I should say, to handle the Houston front. So those are two key uh, advantages for the Colts that can swing this game. You know, this is not a garden variety matchup for J.J. Watt and Clowney. Because usually they're going to have the upper hand. I don't know that they have the upper hand against these guys. So I think it's going to be, you know, it, it has been uh, the last couple of meetings. It's been a, a little bit of a wash between those guys up front. So that's something that not a lot of teams can say against Houston. And the Colts can. The other thing I'd say about the Colts is you know, they can match Houston's sort of diversity of weapons, if you will, right? So, look, DeAndre Hopkins is probably going to be one of the best players on the field, and I can't argue with that. Is he a better wide receiver than T.Y. Hilton? Yeah, probably. Not by a lot, but 
look, if you're picking teams, I'm probably taking DeAndre Hopkins over T.Y. However, here's the thing. The Colts, I think they have, throughout their skill positions, and it's funny because I didn't think I would ever be saying this in, 2000, in the 2018 season, but they have, between their, their running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, I think they have enough, enough depth in there. They can match what Houston presents. Now, Houston has some, some talent at their skill positions as well. But it's not as if the Colts are, are getting outshined there. I mean, look, I think collectively their running game is very productive, uh, or at least their running backs. Their running game isn't always productive, but Naheem Hines, very active in the passing game. And, and certainly Marlon Mack has been running it well of late. So they, have, they can match them there, I think, in terms of their personnel. They can match the Texans. I think in the passing game between the tight ends and running and excuse me tight ends and receivers, I feel like the Colts can match up with what what Houston has and what Houston presents on their offensive and their uh, offensive weapons and in their passing game. So I don't think the Colts are are sort of outmanned in this game. I liked how they had. I know that's not a matchup per se, but I think if you're comparing this this team on paper, these two teams. I don't think the Colts are an inferior team. Um, certainly they've beaten them, so they're not an inferior team in in sort of that sense. But just in terms of their personnel, I don't think they're inferior. And I think they match up pretty well in terms of the, the personnel. And again, that's something that's kind of surprising. I didn't think I'd be saying that. But uh, And then the other thing I'd say is defensively, look, the Colts, they're an underrated team on the defensive side. I think it's we've reached that point now where – we need to just kind of say it. They have a pretty good defense. These guys are legit. I don't think this is a situation now where they're like, oh, they're cute. They're, they're sort of surprising defense. Look at them. No, I, there's something there. They really are a legit, pretty good defense. <laughs> I don't think there's any other way to put it. Look, they're going to miss Tyquan Smith this week, and that will hurt them. But But they've gotten the job done against this Houston team, and Houston has a chance full. Look, the Colts have 12 sacks against Houston in their past two meetings. Uh, seven sacks in the first game, and or excuse me, five sacks in the first game, seven sacks in the second game, if I'm not mistaken. And I went back and I watched all of those, actually, this week, because I wanted to get a sense of what was going on there. And it was very, very interesting. It was not one particular tactic that worked for the Colts. It was really a variety of things that worked. And Matt Eberflus, he threw the kitchen sink at Houston. And in fact, he did some things that I haven't seen against other opponents. So I don't know if that is maybe a product of a young quarterback and wanting to confuse him. I'm not really sure. But what I can tell you is that they used sort of blitzes, you know, bringing a guy off the edge, sometimes Darius Leonard, sometimes Kenny Moore, various guys safeties, corners, linebackers. They did that at times. Then at other times, they had just their standard four-man rush. And then there were, in some instances, and this is new, they had some zone blitzes where they would drop a defensive lineman and replace him uh, at at the very last minute, at the moment of the snap, replace him with another position, another player, a linebacker or a defensive back and have him fill in and be that fourth or fifth rusher. I thought that was really interesting. So on a couple of their sacks in the in the first game, it was kind of interesting. They had 
I believe it was in one instance, uh, Danico Autry dropped into coverage. And this is really just to sort of play mind games with the quarterback. That's all this is. You're trying to confuse the quarterback. So Danico Autry drops out of there. I believe it was Darius Leonard who filled behind him and, and came in as a, a rusher. And Danico Autry just sort of floated right in the middle of the field there. Look, he's probably not going to make a play on the ball, right? I mean, he's not like some, you know, cat quick defensive back, right? But that wasn't the idea. The idea is, as I said, to confuse the quarterback. And one thing that you'll see with Deshaun Watson is, look, he doesn't throw a lot of picks. And that's a very good quality. The problem is, one of the reasons that happens is because he's holding the ball. He's not going to take extreme chances with the ball. So if something doesn't look right, Deshaun Watson's not throwing the ball. And that's what happened. It gave them that split second and the Colts were able to get home in many of those instances where they used the zone blitzes. So I think for Matt Eberflus, I, I think you could see much of the same thing again on Sunday. It would be very interesting. And and conversely, it will be interesting to see what the Texans do and and how Deshaun Watson maybe is prepared to handle that this time around. Because certainly that was a topic of discussion uh, for the Texans this week, I'm sure. So uh, we'll see. But uh, that's going to be a little bit of a game within the game. It's very interesting. Watch that because the pass rush has factored very has loomed very big in both these games. The Colts pass rush against Watson has has been a big factor in both games. So watch that on Saturday, and you may pick up on some of the things that I'm talking about there. But but Eberflus was really diverse in how he rushed the passer, and uh, I'm interested to see what he does on Saturday. All right, let's take a quick break. Hear from our sponsor. I'll be right back with some more preview of the Colts in the playoffs. All right, Colts fans, we have a great deal for you. Let me tell you guys about TickPick, this amazing app to buy tickets to any game, concert, or other event. Are you looking for tickets to this week's game and want to know exactly what you're going to pay for those tickets? I do, and if you do too, then TickPick and their amazing and simple app is right up your alley. The TickPick app is extremely easy to use, and best of all, there are absolutely no surprises at checkout. Listen, you find the game, find the seat you want, and you're all set. Think StubHub without any fees. You get the same tickets, same seller, but absolutely zero fees. You save 10 to 15% on every ticket order. And get this, for our listeners, they're offering you an amazing offer of $15 off any single order over $99 through the end of the season. All you have to do is enter SB Colts as your gift code at checkout. This isn't a sign-up only offer either. They went all in for you guys. Not only do I use TickPick, but I approached them and wanted to get the word out on this company because it was so stinking easy and nobody likes to find the seats they want, then get that smack in the face at checkout of another $35 to $50 in fees being added. I'll never use another ticket app again. It's very user-friendly and you get the same great tickets with lightning quick ticket transfers. Remember, that's TickPick and use the gift code SBCOLTS to save yourself $15 on any order over $99. Go to TickPick and take advantage of this offer to two-day, 100% verified Colts tickets without any fees. And we're back. So one of the things that certainly is going to be a topic of discussion when two teams are meeting for the third time, wow, is what can you do in the way of wrinkles, okay? How can you catch your opponent off guard? I mean, look, let's be honest. These guys know each other. The players know each other. We know the matchups. We've seen them for years. Uh, certainly the Colts have a lot n- more new players than Houston. 
and they have new schemes and coaches. So there's less familiarity for Houston than there is for, for Indianapolis. But still, they're meeting each other for the third time. There's only so much uh, new ground you can cover. So I'm interested to see how this works. And, and I'm interested to see what, if any, wrinkles we see. And one in particular, one area in particular that I'll be watching is is what the Colts do against DeAndre Hopkins. So I think it's it's going to be very interesting. Now, in the first game, you might remember this, DeAndre Hopkins had 159 yards, and they were huge. And they needed every one of those yards to win that game. Every one of those yards from DeAndre Hopkins. And what's interesting is in that first Houston game, one of the things that you'll recall is, I mean, look, we spent, we, we talked ad nauseum and spent days upon days talking about Frank Reich's decision to go for it on fourth down and overtime. It's certainly a controversial call. We can debate it back and forth. doesn't matter. That's not the point. Here's the thing. No one talks about the play that came right after that, okay? When the Colts turned it over on downs, the very next play, guess what happens? Deshaun Watson hits DeAndre Hopkins on a deep slant, and that sets them up for the field goal. Now, on that play, DeAndre Hopkins was being defended by Darius Leonard in the slot, one-on-one. I mean, look, it was sort of this man under coverage, if I remember correctly. It might have been two deep safeties, but it was a bad plan, okay? (laughs) It's a bad plan. And in that situation where you just need one play and you can lose the game, I'm not sure why they went with that coverage. So fast forward now to the second meeting, and something very interesting happens. There's no more of that, generally speaking. There might have been, in some isolated instances, you might have seen some situations like that. But generally, I went back and I I broke this down today to make sure. Generally, what you saw was the Colts leaning a safety toward DeAndre Hopkins. In many cases, they just straight up bracketed him. At minimum, they had the safety sort of leaning in his direction. And after the snap, the safety would sort of float his way. So, again, remember what I told you about about, uh, certainly Deshaun Watson not wanting to make risky throws, right? So, that really, I think, dissuaded him from forcing the ball to, you know, DeAndre Hopkins. And so, what ended up happening... What was the result? He caught four passes for 36 yards. It was by far his least productive game of the season. Okay? So now the Houston Texans know they got to have more from DeAndre Hopkins to win this game. Uh, they just, they don't win games when DeAndre Hopkins is not a factor. I mean, it's very difficult for them, especially where they've already lost Demarius Thomas. All right? And they've they've taken a beating at receiver certainly this year. But they've got several guys on IR at, the, at that one position. So they've taken a beating there. So they need DeAndre Hopkins more than ever. And again, they they tend to not win when he doesn't get it done. So four for 36 from DeAndre Hopkins is not going to get it done. The Colts know this. The Texans know this. So here's the thing. What do the Colts do? What do the Texans do? Is there a counter move they make, right? Uh, do they sort of move him around more? Do they put him in motion? What do they do? I'm very interested to see how that plays out. And it's going to be something that just has a huge impact on the game, certainly. And 
I just think this is another one of those game within the game subplots that uh, that we have to kind of keep an eye on. And again, it, your options get more limited the more times you play because there aren't any secrets, right? So everybody's going to be ready for just about anything. So I'm very interested to see what route these teams take with that particular matchup because it will have a huge impact on the outcome of this game. So for the Colts, I say if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I would expect them to to take a similar approach with Hopkins and get Malik Hooker involved, get Clayton Gathers involved, and sort of bracket him uh, where possible and make it hard on him, frankly. So we will see. Now, another area that's an interesting topic to kind of explore, uh, I think the Colts are a team that doesn't have a ton of playoff experience. I think I am correct about this I believe they might be the youngest team in the playoffs which is kind of interesting and it's kind of fun right I mean they're they're not supposed to be here certainly we knew that they had a a team with a bunch of guys on rookie contracts you know rebuild etc etc but they're in the playoffs but not many other guys have been there now is this one of those sort of media topics that that we just make a big deal about in my business, or is this a real thing? Well, I mean, I think it's a real thing. Uh, listen, the intensity goes up a notch in the playoffs, and you've got to be able to handle that pressure. It's real. It's a real thing. I mean, every snap feels like like someone's life depends on it. It just feels big. I mean, if you've ever been in the stadium in a playoff game, you know what I'm talking about. You can feel it, right? Here's the good news. I think this team is just as battle-tested as the rest of them out there based on what they've just done. I mean, look, they just are. If you think about this here, I mean, certainly (laughs) there are going to be teams that are far more experienced, right? I mean, maybe the New England Patriots uh, could tell them a thing or two about playoff experience, certainly. However, that being said, the Indianapolis Colts have basically been in a playoff mode for two months. When you're one in five, you don't come back from that without basically playing like your life depends on it every single week. So do you not think that last Sunday night felt like a playoff game? Because it sure as hell did to me. And I would say, how about that first Houston game? How about the Dallas Cowboys game? I mean, those were huge games for the Colts. Even the Giants game, which was slipping away from them, uh, they had to turn it around and go get that thing. And that took composure, okay? That took Uh, them having the will to put it together and finish strong. And again, maybe a different level of competition. But again, this is is an an intense situation. They've been through all these ups and downs. And I think, I don't know that these moments are going to be too big for them. I mean, these young players have proven that already in my estimation. I don't think they can be sort of... uh, I don't think they'll be impacted by by what's going to happen Saturday afternoon. That crowd, it'll be loud for sure. Uh, certainly, there will be uh, lots to contend with. But I think this team is equipped for it. I think they can handle it. And and that's been one of the most interesting things about them is they never cracked. And I really would kind of have expected that. I would have expected them to crack at some point, right? I mean, they're so young and they've they've never been here before. Most of these guys, a lot of these guys at least, have never been asked to do some of the things they're doing. I mean, you know, guys like Anthony Walker and Darius Leonard. I mean, you know, Darius Leonard, what's the biggest crowd he ever played in front of? Well, he played at Death Valley. 
against Clemson, as you well know. <laughs> and that's the game that probably got him drafted by the Colts because Chris Ballard watched that game. Anyhow, but my point is, bad example, but my point is, <laughs> these guys, you know, Darius Leonard coming from a, an FCS school, for example, right? I mean, this is not a guy who's used to playing in these kinds of, uh, in games of this magnitude, all right? And, and he's not the only one. Uh, Kenny Moore, all right? Kenny Moore with like Georgia Southern, right? I mean, so like this is this is not a this is not a a team filled with guys with high level playoff experience or uh, even in many cases uh, big bowl games. You know, they don't even have that in some cases. So, but again, I just think that's just one of the this is one of the the pleasant surprises about this team is that it's they are never phased. And it just says, it tells you so much about these guys. It also tells you a lot about their coach, Frank Wright. And one thing we know about Frank is he was never daunted as a player. All right. So four touchdown deficit against the Houston Oilers. No problem. Right. And today, by the way, is the anniversary of that game. It makes me feel old because I remember watching it with my dad uh, as a teenager. So, man, I'm, I'm getting old. But anyhow... It's just I, I think you you've seen and we've seen enough of this team in big moments down the stretch to know they will not be impacted by what is ahead of them, what lies ahead in the playoffs. I, I don't think that intensity or that pressure or the magnitude of those moments. I do not think it will be too big for this team, and that is something you can really lean your or really excuse me, uh, hang your hat on going into the playoffs because it's it's a very important thing, a very important aspect. I feel like. Uh, one thing I want to hit on that needs to be said. This team was absolutely too sloppy in the past two weeks. If they do that again on Saturday, they will lose. I thought in terms of execution, in terms of penalties, way too many the last couple of weeks. Now, interestingly, they were able to overcome it both times. Now, the competition level is going to step up against Houston. Now, against the New York Giants, we saw a first half that was just, you know, a comedy of errors, uh, guys not making plays, penalties, lack of execution. They cleaned that up in the second half, and you saw a complete 180 in that game. Now, Tennessee, in the Tennessee game, I mean, as you know, if you saw that game, the Colts did everything in their power to give it away. And I guess the the Texans, or excuse me, the, the Titans, I should say, we're not in the mood to uh, to take it, to take that charity and do something with it. Uh, so obviously the Colts prevailed, but you can't go in there and play like that against Houston on the road and expect to win a playoff game. They've got to clean that up. Now, it's interesting. I mean, look, the Colts were not one of the most, uh, they, they weren't necessarily the least penalized team in the NFL this year. Uh, they certainly weren't the most penalized either, but they were somewhere in the middle. They were in sort of in that, uh, I think, 17 or 18 range this year, which is, eh, you know, sort of not so good, not so bad. Uh, but the one thing they they did was they didn't have a lot of penalty yards. Uh, so a lot, a lot of those were minor infractions. That's one thing I'd say. And then secondly, what I'd also add is that they they tended to not have those penalties at, at inopportune times, right? At times where... They were really critical. We saw some of that early in the season, but I thought they cleaned that up as the season went along, and some of those 
untimely penalties. I thought they cut back on those. Uh, it felt like down the stretch, but it, there was a reemergence in weeks 16 and 17. And if that keeps up, we're going to be having a very different conversation next week. So, hey, I mean, I'm not breaking any news to anybody here, but uh, but I think that needs to get taken care of. Now, something I want to mention that is that I think is sort of a, a key to this game. Here's where I think this game might get, um, I don't know if the word is decided, but it's, it's one of the areas that I think is going to have uh, a huge, huge impact on this game. The Colts have to be able to have some sort of life in their running game. You can't get one-dimensional on a day when T.Y. Hilton is not himself. And that's very possible. It's very likely to be the case. If the Colts go in there and have to give up on their running game, I think this is going to be a much harder game. So it's up to Frank Reich, I think, to to be consistent with the running game. At least keep that defense honest. Houston is a bitch against the run, okay? They're really, really good. You're not going to see Marlon Mack running for 130 yards on Saturday. I mean, that's probably not going to happen, right? But... You can still have your running game be a factor in the game and and have some impact on the game. All you really need, I think, is to keep that defense honest and to give T.Y. Hilton and Dontrell Inman and some of those guys, let them maintain those one-on-one matchups and single coverage that they can then potentially exploit. So that, I think, is going to have a huge impact on this game. You, again, don't put this game on T.Y. Hilton's shoulders. They can't do that. They can, I mean, look, he's proven he can win games in those situations, but under the circumstances with that injury, that is not the way to go. The Colts cannot put this game on T.Y. Hilton. Unfair burden under the circumstances. They got to have some balance and Frank Reich's got to figure it out. I think he can do it, but it's critical in my estimation. That being said, I'm going to give you my prediction. I feel pretty good about this. And look, I think it's a little bit of a push. And in that situation, I'm going to go with the better quarterback. And the better quarterback is Andrew Luck. I think he could be the difference here. Uh, I see an Andrew Luck scramble somewhere in this game just being a real difference maker. I think he's going to make a play on Saturday that is ultimately going to go a long way toward deciding this game. I have that feeling. I mean... It's not a hell of it's not exactly a bold prediction, right? I mean, he does it every time they go to the playoffs, but <laughs> I just I really sense that. I really think he's going to make a play possibly with his legs that no one sees coming and it's going to decide this thing or at least it's going to go a long way toward deciding it. So, I I think I predicted uh 28-24 in my piece uh in the Athletic that will run Friday or Saturday. So, you can check that out and uh Tell me how smart I am in the comments. <laughs> uh, if you haven't subscribed, you should do that. But anyhow, that's what I got. I We'll see. I hope I'm right because this has been fun. I, I don't necessarily root for the Colts because I am not a fan. I'm a, I'm a neutral observer. But I am not above telling you that this has been damn fun this year. And I'm enjoying every moment of it. And I'm okay with it. I, I'm fine going to Kansas City. Uh, it's not my favorite place in the world. But uh, I can stand it for a couple of days. So uh, we'll make it work. I'll, I'll find something to do. I'll find some good barbecue. So uh, I can find the silver lining in anything. 
But I think that's what happens this weekend. I think it's going to be a hell of a fun game. It's going to be intense. It's going to be something else, I feel like. And uh, I think the Colts are ready. So for those of you going down to NRG, I'll see you there. For those of you who will be watching elsewhere, enjoy the game. Follow me on Twitter, Holder Steven, Steven with a PH. Subscribe to The Athletic. Uh, There's a discount code right now, I believe, for 40% off. If you go to our NFL page, check that out. I uh, believe that should cost you like $2.99 a month or something. I mean, it's there's just great coverage uh, every day on The Athletic. So check that out. And uh, subscribe also to the Stampede Blue, Stampede Blue excuse me, podcast for mine and all the other uh, quality podcasts uh, that will come your way there. So I can't thank you enough for hanging out with me this season. We'll see what happens after this week. But uh, we will have something to talk about next week regardless of what happens on Sunday or Saturday. Enjoy the game. Thanks for coming on the ride with me. This is Stephen Holder with Horseshoes with Holder. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.